Let's just jump right into God's word here, and we will keep that uh, posture of celebration going today. We're coming off uh, three weeks as a church family, if you're just joining us on a fast and feast to start the year, and the theme of that has been Isaiah 9-7, so we can throw that verse up there, of the increase of God's kingdom reign, there will be no end. And we have wanted to take that personally as a promise for the will of God in our lives that is affirmed very clearly in Jesus, who preached the gospel, and it's Mark 1.15 that says, Jesus said, the gospel is that the time has come, the kingdom of God, that reign of God, is right here at hand. So repent and believe, and it's, that's the great privilege we have as followers of Jesus, to trust and know that God's will is always to see more of his kingdom breaking in and through and transforming our lives as we respond to him. And so as we're starting the year with, with that theme, uh, we've now kind of hopefully, after a few weeks, we've come, we've all done some, some work with the Lord, some of that personal time where we've taken those battle plans and, and really got some vision for the year, some vision, some goals, some of those kingdom dreams, areas of breakthrough where we long to see increase and we're kind of ready to go into 2022. And before we just kind of keep rolling into the year, we felt like it'd be appropriate to, to pause and to celebrate, to break that fast together, to conclude with just a time of feasting and, and celebration uh, this morning. And so we're, that's, that's really the whole, the whole theme of the morning here is celebrating with, with thanksgiving and hope. And you guys have already uh, joined in on that so far in our time of worship, and, and uh, that's been awesome. And we're going to continue that right here. We're going to take communion together, take the Lord's Supper together, and, and then head on outside for us. But as we come to the really the conclusion of our fast today, we really felt led to, to take some time and, and, and celebrate along those themes of thanksgiving and hope. And as, as I mentioned, we're going to now really kind of hone in on, on focusing on those themes through the Lord's Supper and, and then have a meal outside together. But what I want to point out, too, is that this isn't random. This isn't haphazard. Right now, we are wanting to focus in on remembering what God has done to give thanks and look forward to what God is going to do. Have hope. And as we do those things, we are stepping into a very ancient rhythm of life that God designed, where his people would share a meal in community by celebrating with thanksgiving and hope. It's actually a tradition that goes back 2,500 years, two, more than 2,000 years, back into the ancient people of Israel, where they're sharing a meal in community with intentional gratitude and hope. It's an extremely ancient practice that God designed, God set it up as a rhythm of life. And so we want to just kind of highlight that today as a healthy practice that has deep, deep roots in the people of God. And we're going to walk through that a bit. And then enjoy it today, but also look to the ways that we can intentionally be making that a regular practice in our lives. 
So all of this, as in some ways, as simple as it seems to have a meal, to practice gratitude, to look to God as our hope, it really connects us with some incredibly ancient practices of God's people and some very deep, spiritually rich rhythms of life, even in their simplicity, that God wants us to to learn to live in more and more because they are truly life-giving for us and glorifying and exalting to God. So let's take it back here to ancient Israel just to look at this rhythm of life that God established. Way back in the Ten Commandments, God said to observe the Sabbath day. Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, it starts with observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a rest to the Lord. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son, daughter, your male or female servant, your ox, your donkey, any of the animals, nor any foreigner residing among you, so that your female and male servants may rest as you do. Remember, this is the key word for this, remember, you were once slaves in Egypt, And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So there's kind of like obviously a lot of layers of cultural differences from, you know, over 2,500 years ago back into ancient Jewish history. But the heart of God there, the principle for God's people is very simple. It's take that time, take that Sabbath day, pause from the normal busyness and work of life, celebrate a meal together in community, and give God thanks for what he has done, and let it renew your hope for who he is in your life. The Sabbath day was built around that. As we've talked before, it was this big meal that would be prepared for Friday night at sundown, and they would really work the whole day preparing this big, beautiful meal. And then they would stop work and have 24 hours where it was just rest and play and celebration and thanksgiving and enjoying each other's company, thanking God for what he's done, renewing their hope in who he is. So simple, but it's so profound. Because if we're honest about, you know, fast-forwarding into our world today, That's a really hard rhythm to live into. And so we're recreating that in a way. We're honoring the word of God and having that Sabbath time where we get together for a meal with the community and try to pause from the busyness of life and simply just thank God for who he is and renew our hope in what he's going to do. And moving forward into the new covenant, Jesus took that, those same principles and he built them into the Lord's Supper, which we are about to partake of together. His words were in Luke 22. For, we'll pick it up a little bit before his words, kind of Luke setting the scene in verse 14. It says, when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table. So, you know, you picture the scene. This is Jesus having the Passover meal with his extended spiritual family with his community, with those who he was walking through life with, those life-giving relationships. He's on mission together with them. So he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, 
I have earnestly desired to share this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, he said, this is the cup that is poured out for you. Excuse me, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. One of the things that's often overlooked as we celebrate the Lord's Supper is a phrase that Jesus is uh, described as having done twice as he's instituting the Lord's Supper. supper, And it's, he gave thanks. And there is a a, a portion of, of church history that does this really well. It's even the Lord's Supper itself is called the Eucharist, which is the Greek word that's in there twice for giving thanks. And so there's a, per, a certain part of uh, you know, the church and church history that's emphasized this really well, that taking of communion or celebrating the Lord's Supper is about, it's the Eucharist, it's giving thanks. And it's right there where as Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, the taking of communion, the breaking of the bread and the wine, and, and in remembrance of him and what it's doing to bring about the new covenant, the overarching theme of it all, the posture that Jesus models is giving thanks. We give thanks while we do this. And now we can fast forward and recognize, oh wow, this is about his body being broken for us, so give thanks. This is about his blood being spilt for us that makes a new covenant possible, so give thanks. But it's right in the, in the midst of it all that, I be, I'll be honest, sometimes I miss that. And you got to go back into church history a little bit and be like, wow, there's a reason it was called the Eucharist by many for so long. That's just the Greek word, the Eucharisto. Jesus said, as we're doing this in remembrance of him, do what he did, give thanks. And that really harkens back to even the Passover or the, the Sabbath meal itself, which God ordained to have a community meal where we would look back and see what has God done and give thanks. In the Ten Commandments, he was specifically saying, look back to the salvation act of creating the people of God. You were once slaves in Egypt, and I set you free. If you talk to Jewish people, that is like the salvation act. From slavery to freedom, from oppression and bondage to being the people of God, liberated into the covenant, the new covenant at the time. And Jesus steps into that and says, I am the ultimate fulfillment of that. But the principle behind it is the same. It's you gather for the community meal, you look back and give thanks for what God has done. And it also renews your hope for what God is going to do. And we see it right there where Jesus says, this is the blood of the new covenant. Anytime there's something that God is doing that is new, that is supposed to invoke hope. 
There is something new that God is doing. Therefore, I have hope because God is not done. God is not done with me. God is not done with the world. God is not done being good and personal and powerful and present. There is new things that are coming my way. Therefore, I have hope. And the new covenant that Jesus instituted is there is perpetual newness. There is perpetual hope because that new covenant is the gospel that Jesus said. The kingdom of God is at hand. And that invitation never dries up. There is always more of the kingdom of God to experience in our life. He is never done with us. Of the increase of his kingdom reign, there will be no end. There need be no end. We need not settle for Oh, well, I think God's done, or I've hit my limit, or I'm sure God's kind of done enough for me. He's going to move on to other people, or God doesn't care anymore about this situation. None of those things. The new covenant says of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's Jesus knocking at the door, like Revelation 3, to the church. That was to the believers. They were already saved, yet Jesus says, I'm knocking at the door because there is more, more kingdom, more kingdom for you. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want to do a good job of taking that deep spiritual breath that looks back and looks to say, what have you done, God, in my life, in the world, in my family, in my church? Re help me remember well so that I can have that posture of gratitude, so that I can enter into the Eucharist, the thanksgiving, so that I can give you thanks as you are worthy for every good gift in life. And yet it also has this forward-pulling element that it renews my hope that there is always more in the new covenant. You're not done yet. And so we want to do that right now. We're going to pass out the, the elements here and, and look back on our year a bit and just give God thanks and let that renew our hope for what he's going to do in increase in 2022. Before we pass out the elements, I want to take us to one more verse in Acts chapter 2. Amen. There's lots to celebrate. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This, it's a great passage that shows how the early church was putting into practice the way of life that they learned from Jesus. And a lot of it has to do with celebration, gratitude, thanksgiving, a lot of it has to do with the Lord's Supper. And I want to highlight a couple of verses here. Sometimes we miss it a little bit, but it just goes back to these very ancient rhythms of God's people gathering to celebrate a meal together to give God thanks and renew their hope. So Acts 2.42, 46 to 47, it says this is after the Holy Spirit has fallen and God, by the Holy Spirit, has fulfilled his promises and empowered the church, empowered this people to be these world-changing from this very scared, timid, fearful. They just saw their, their, their Lord and Savior crucified on a cross. 
And even after the resurrection, they weren't sure what it all meant. And he said, Jesus said, hold on, don't worry. Something's coming. <laughs> My Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to empower you to be my witnesses, my ambassadors, my little representatives, my little Christs, my Christians into all the world, to every tongue, tribe, and nation, Judea, Sumeria, and the ends of the earth. And you can do and you will do what I was doing. It's amazing. And as this began to take place, it was summarized like this. The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is no small passage. It really describes a way of life that the apostles had learned from Jesus. There's four pillars here that the early church devoted themselves to. And I love that word, devoted. That is not a casual word. That is not a consumer Christianity word. That is the kind of lay down your life and follow Jesus word. Let it cost you everything so that you gain everything. Devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching in the line of Jesus, this whole new way of life, this kingdom of God life that Jesus preached. The apostles lived it. They heard it. They studied it. They practiced it. They got taught it. They failed at it miserably many times. And it became a way of life that now they are passing on authoritatively as Jesus filled them with the Spirit. And now they're passing it on to the church. And it goes on from there to say the fellowship, this devotion, this dedication to the community, to these life-giving relationships, to what is in the Greek, the koinonia, which many of you know, a very intimate word, a commitment word. It's the word in Greek literature often used to describe marriage, a koinonia. And it's, it's used to describe the family of God the importance of the community. We are not made to live life alone, and if you try to do it, you're going to struggle because you're not made for it. We're made for this koinonia, this extended spiritual family, this fellowship that will be life-giving. It'll help bring us all fully alive. They devoted themselves to making that a priority in their life. And then the next, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. There is that, that pronoun there, the, 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 excuse me, that's not a pronoun, the article, the breaking of bread, meaning it's signifying this is the breaking of bread. This is the Lord's Supper. They would regularly partake together and do what Jesus commanded and taught them to do. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. And so there's this commitment level, this devotion to having, going way back, ancient practices now, community meals community time spent together over a holy meal where we practice gratitude for what God has done and it renews our hope for what he's going to do. In this case, it's the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, remember what I have done. Give thanks for what I have done. Look back on your life regularly and just develop that attitude of gratitude. 
where you're going through life. Maybe it's weekly. Maybe it's daily that you're taking communion. There's no, there's no specific limit on when or how much or how, how much not to do. My wife and I have gotten into taking communion much more regularly, sometimes together, sometimes apart. But there's a, there was a season last year where it's like daily and it, in, instilling in us just the attitude of gratitude. Jesus said, take communion and give thanks. And so that was a posture. It's an act of worship to take communion and be looking, surveying life, saying, I want to take every good thing in life. And once you kind of open up that radar, it begins to grow. You realize, man, you're swimming in grace. You're swimming in gifts. You're swimming in goodness. Everything is a good gift from God. Everything good is a good gift from God. I mean, down to the air you breathe, the heartbeat in your lung, every single good thing in life. And you begin to be able to, in the midst of a hard, I mean, it's not like last couple years were easy, on a big scale or on a personal scale, but as you begin to do this, you begin to somehow you have just like gratitude going on throughout the day. And that's because Jesus knows there's a holy uh, transaction that takes place, if you will. When you intentionally make time to celebrate the Lord's Supper and look for all the things that you can be thankful for that you know Jesus purchased for you on the cross that you do not deserve, by his, it's by his blood-bought, broken body on the cross. Everything good you have in life is a gift from him. And as that becomes more and more of a reality because you soak in it, you get filled with gratitude. And, be, and when you get filled with gratitude for all the great things he has done, it's amazing the power of hope that begins to emerge. A holy confidence. As you look back, you're able to look forward. As you look back it, with gratitude of all these things that he has done. Thank you for this, God. Thank you for this, God. Thank you for this, God. And it begins not only a monthly or a weekly practice, but daily practice. Thank you for this, God. It also begins to build in you naturally a hope of the new covenant that is real because you've looked back and seen his faithfulness. You have faith to trust and have hope emerging that he's the same yesterday and today, yesterday, today and forever. Sorry, I'm getting excited. So you can look forward that more of the kingdom increase is coming. And that's a practice that God instituted thousands of years ago that goes down to this very moment today. The early church was practicing it, and we want to practice it too. We're practicing it today in community, and we want to encourage you to practice it in the communities that you have, in the life groups that you share. There's a reason why breaking bread, giving thanks happens in the life groups. We encourage you to practice it in your families, on your own. Make that a way of life as God intended. So I want to take a little bit of time right now, and I want to pass out the elements, and then we're just going to practice gratitude and hope. So I'm going to send this down the aisle here. If, if uh, well, you got a baby, so that's, you, you're, you're good. We'll, we'll have someone else. <laughs> if you could pass that there. Actually, you know, I, I believe you could do that. One, you know, one hand, yeah. So let's, let's just get those elements passing. And I want to begin to just prepare our hearts collectively to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper. And so one way I want to do that, as I mentioned this morning, it's really about giving thanks and letting that renew our hope. 
And so I want to look back into last year as a community, as a church family. And I was practicing this the past couple weeks because it's part of the, the rhythm that we have in, in this church is to send out a, a letter at the beginning of the year and to thank everyone in the church family, which is like everybody, as far as I know. I don't know exactly who, but it's like a lot. Uh, to send out a letter of, of thanks to all those who have financially supported the church and just to highlight some of the ways in which the support that you all invest into this church makes the church possible. And so you look back and what are some of the things that God has done that we can be thankful for for last year and then look forward with hope into next year. And so I want to take a few of those things. And that letter went out this week, just a few days ago. So should be there for you to even contemplate that. And I would encourage you to, to mark down some of those things that you see on there and even make those prayer points. For those of you who are intercessors, like as we look back with gratitude, like that is a holy exercise to praise God, to give God glory for the good things that he has done and, and say, Lord, <laughs> thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe that you want to multiply what you have done in this coming year. We, we believe you want to increase what you've done, build upon what you are doing and have done and increase. So we Truly, especially for you intercessors out there, take those, uh, those letters that are coming out and really um, use those as the foundation on which for us to continue partnering with God in prayer uh, for what he is doing and wants to do in our church family. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes. Aren't these cute, by the way? I love taking communion with these. They're available on Amazon. I mean, sometimes you just got to know the practicalities. <laughs> like, I have some in my house, and we've been taking communion regularly, and it's just awesome. Some of you, never mind. I'm going to stop. <laughs> All right. Let's take a few minutes here, and I truly, truly, just as a posture of gratitude, want to look back on last year and give God thanks for some of the things that he has done in our lives. So as we're doing this, like, I, I, I'm just wanting to fill you up right now with, with as we're going into communion, there's personal things, and we're going to have a, a moment here uh, in a minute where we're just to quietly contemplate areas of your life where you can look back on last year and just be grateful for the clear work of God in your life, and you can give thanks. But I also want to, honoring the way that Jesus set up, uh, the, God set up the Sabbath and Jesus set up the Lord's Supper, there's much to be celebrated in community for what God is doing in our midst. And so I want to mention a few of those things that we are truly, truly grateful for that God did in our church family last year. Not everything, of course, but some, some wonderful highlights. So we want to just give God thanks and praise, hearts full of gratitude that we were able to, to celebrate our 10th anniversary as a church. Like, that's no small thing. Like, the, it, it, yeah, praise God. Church planting, you know, it's not for the, it's not for the faint of heart. It's challenging. And, and the percentage, honestly, of church plants that, that make it is, is small, especially ones that aren't coming from a denomination or a, a mother church that's supporting for a number of years, and we were neither. And so just to see God take us this far for 10 years, and we really just have the sense like we're just getting started. And on that, on that celebration last year of our 10th birthday, my wife said something on, on stage spontaneously that just really captured my heart. It's so true. She said, after 10 years, we are not burned out. We are burning. And that's just the truth. That, 
That is the truth. And we give God glory for that. We give God thanks that we truly have the sense of like he's just getting started. He's really, there's just a foundation, healthy foundation that's being built. And with the depths of our being, because of that faithfulness and the gratitude that's there, we truly believe with all of our hearts the hope that the best is yet to come. And that is real. So we thank God for that. And in the midst of, I mean, wow, even in the midst of the last two years, 20 and 21, man, those are going to go down in, in, in human history as disasters. Like, those were awful years in so many different ways where across the globe and in our nation, unprecedented levels of fear and uncertainty and despair. And yet in the midst of those things, we saw God genuinely not leaving us as orphans, but doing real work deep in, in spirits, deep in our innermost being to strengthen, to enrich, and to increase uh, his, his kingdom in our midst to where we can honestly say, not, like objectively looking back and say, the last two years of our church have been the best so far. Like we're not just surviving, the church family is thriving. And there, there's a courage that God has instilled in this church family that we honestly like, uh, it's such a privilege to watch. While, while the world in so many ways was cowering in fear and uncertainty, Hebrews 10.39, we watched God make real right here, which was, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And there was genuine courage that we saw emerge in this church family, get put on display in a variety of different ways that we had never had the privilege of seeing before. It was beautiful. I mean, even just coming, showing up to church. Because there was a time when that was illegal. And not only did we survive, but our attendance was higher than has ever been in that season. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's really cool. Like God is growing some courageous people who are willing to say, you know what, my faith might cost me something. And for a long time, you know, for many, that, that, that's not the case in, in, in this wonderful United States of America that has so much opportunity, so much prosperity, so much goodness that I will make a big time case is rooted in Judeo-Christian biblical values and that's where they came from. But in some ways, for many, it got so good, it's really comfortable and very easy to be a Christian. And that's not good because Jesus said it's supposed to cost you everything. And so we saw some of that last year. It costs you everything so that you gain everything and walk in the abundant life that Jesus has for us. So genuinely, truly, we thank God that we see in the midst of very challenging times. And we're not saying that lives are easier, there's no challenges, or there's no fear, or there's no despair, or there's no hard things. No, we're saying that in the midst of those real challenges, we see God making a courageous people who's willing to face those head on and let God take us from valley to victory. That's the kind of people we want to be. One thing that was uh, a blessing, oh, well, let me... Uh, I'm getting Sometimes when you're excited, you're like, I want to talk about this. No, I want to talk about this. And I just felt my brain fighting with itself. There was two halves. And they were competing for a moment of who got to go first. That's a mess. Okay. 
Okay, uh, the right side of the brain won out. So here we go. I'm going to talk about just, just uh, the, the quality of relationships that are developing that we are truly grateful for in this church family. We're not only are the most amount of people that we've ever, ever gathered, and we saw that not only on Sunday morning, we saw that at the, the December Christmas party. It was such a joy that the Pat and Marisol hosted. We had the most people we've ever had ever at any event in 10 years of having Elevation, and not even everybody was there. There was a number of people who couldn't make it, and they texted the last minute, but still, that was the largest gathering ever, and it's full of, it was full of fun and joy and positive relationships, and we do not take that for granted I mean, if you, most of you guys have been in church long enough. Going to church, it doesn't mean that you like each other. <laughs> Should I just leave that right there? Or just... <laughs> I'm not taking... No, it's ser- but it's serious. And we're not the perfect church. I'm not saying that. But we do not take for granted the uh, uh, amazing amount of life-giving positive relationships, community, encouraging community that you have with each other where people are, are, are interacting outside of Sunday morning and, and even in life groups and, and other opportunities, but more than that, where true and deep fellowship, koinonia is taking place where you are each other's community and accountability and encouragement and life-giving power flows through you to one another. And you actually like each other and love each other and there's unity on the teams here, and, and we do not take that for granted. That, that is, we give God thanks, ain't serious. Give God thanks for that. A couple more here. Uh, on, on, the, on the side of worship, like it's been so beautiful to see this church family hungry to worship. Worshipers, we give God thanks for how he's grown us as a people that, is, that comes ready to lavish praise on God, to give God thanks, to give God praise, to encounter God in worship, and we take that seriously. And I'll highlight, like, even in the fact that, like, though from a human standpoint, you know, we're, we're in an odd season of, like, transition where we don't have one worship leader who's, like, the person week in and week out. We have four or five, six different people up here, and what I love to see is your heart of worship is exactly the same every week, no matter who's up here. That, that's a glory to God. Because I'm sure we're all being stretched in different ways because we all have preferences of style of this or preference of that or that's my favorite kind of music or that's my favorite kind of voice or whatever. But, and that's all understandable, but at the same time, there's something bigger than that, which is Jesus is worthy to be worshipped every week, every time, no matter who's up there. And so we want to come with that heart of collective worship. And I see you guys doing that. And that's, uh, we love the privilege of being able to worship with you all. It's a beautiful thing. And then just continuing to press into God in, in, in prayer and see God do miracles and to see God move miraculously. As my wife mentioned today, whether it's on the, in your innermost being, seeing God heal you from the inside out, or whether it's seeing God heal a relationship or give you hope again or physically touch your body. I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence that salvation, the word in Greek, salvation, sozo, is the exact same word as physical healing 
and deliverance from the bondage of the enemy. When Jesus would cast out a demon, when he would heal somebody physically, when he would pronounce that their sins are forgiven and they're saved and they're brought into covenant relationship with him or they got set free from a lie of the enemy and their identity is restored, their heart is healed, guess what? It's all the exact same word. Sozo. It's the same word because God is the God of shalom. He wants healing. He wants wholeness. He wants completeness. He wants the perfection of heaven to be invading your body, your body, mind, and spirit, your whole being. And so it's, we, we've seen that. We've seen that. That's, that's part of that life-giving power that's, that's happening. And, and one, one that just true, still blows my mind on the, on the physical healing realm, well, two that are really fun. One is that when we were out at Awaken, and we prayed out there for physical healing. There was, uh, our brother Wayne came forward. He had sciatica uh, so bad, like pain in his back and down his leg for 30 years, like awful pain that he had made a, a conclusion that he was gonna have to stop uh, doing the motorcycle ministry that he loves because it was just absolute, you know, unbearable, awful pain. And he was concluding, like, it's just getting worse. I've had it for 30 years. It's not getting better. I'm done. And when we were out there, and he's part of our church family, we came out in that night of worship, and he, was, he came forward for prayer for physical healing. And in one prayer, the pain is completely gone and has never come back, not even a tiny bit. And nine months later, he's riding his motorcycle all over the place with no pain whatsoever. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, there he is. He's in the, oh, is he in the room. There he is. There he is. All right. Oh, and he, as a holy act of worship and faith, he bought a new motorcycle. <laughs> there we go. Hey, hey, when God's working, you just join in with what God's doing. We talk about that all the time. How can I deny you, Lord? And one other one was uh, pa uh, Pastor Charles, Charles Renault, Dr. Renault. And, and he, he, his body was racked with all sorts of pain and in, in, in very odd areas. And he went to the doctor. The doctor did blood work. And the doctor said, based on your blood work and where that pain's at, you have cancer. And, well, again, with I don't know how many others went into it, but after a moment of, of prayer where the Holy Spirit showed up, he reported the pain completely gone, and it was getting increasingly worse. It wasn't getting better. It was just there and nonstop. It's, it's better. It's gone. He's been back to the doctor, blood work agreeing, and the doctor has pronounced over him no cancer. That's awesome. That gets encouraging. So what it encourages us is, God, you're on the move. We want to take bold steps of risk. And we saw you guys, and we want to thank God for the, the strength that he's growing in you all to take bold steps of risk. I mean, last year, we did some things we had really never done, where we asked all of you to join us on Sunday morning as an act of worship to go out into the community a couple different times and do things that many of you were very uncomfortable doing. Knocking on doors, passing out door hangers, talking to people about Jesus, inviting them to church, praying for them, and... That, to me, that act alone, the fact that almost everybody showed up on those Sundays to do that is a really, really healthy sign that God's on the move, growing a boldness and a risk to where even when there's uncertainty and we don't know how it's all going to get figured out and we're going to face rejection and it's going to be difficult, 
there's still that courage that says, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for the Lord. And so we get very excited uh, about those kind of things that God is doing, and we give God uh, thanks for that. Speaking of the lines of getting out into the community, one of the things that we've, we've talked about uh, in the past is that we really believe God's called us to serve the community. That as much as we love gathering, as much as we love equipping in here to develop that personal relationship with God, so God is, you know God is good and powerful and personal and present in ways to you that are unspeakably beautiful where you know he calls you by name and he speaks to you and he is real and he ministers to you and he heals you. That is meant to then flow into community as we've talked and it's meant to flow out into the world around us to be salt and light. And one challenging question that I remember having posed to me a long time ago was, hey, if you were part of a church or leading a church, if that church disappeared, would anybody outside the church notice or even care? And that was a, I loved that question personally. I think it's a very healthy question for, for us to be pondering and going right in line with the mission that Jesus has given us to see his kingdom increase to trust that there's an abundant harvest, but the workers are often few, so we want to say, here I am, Lord, and to be that salt and light into the world that Jesus talks about, where his kingdom is advanced through that. And so some just highlights as we've been trying to just look for opportunities to serve. Jesus modeled it. You don't go out in the world and, like, you know, demand a position and say, everybody come and, you know, here's our position. We're so awesome. We believe that Jesus modeled, you just go out and serve. You look for opportunities to serve. And you, kind of, you come in low, as Jesus did, taking that posture of a servant. So for the last five or six years, we've been looking for those opportunities, trying to kind of make it known out there in the community. Hey, when you need something done, we're here to serve. And there was just some some healthy recognition, I believe, on the part of some folks within the city of Menifee last year that I want to just give God glory for and have gratitude to the Lord for the opportunities he's given us that help us see that in that heart to serve, God's promises to be salt and light, to see his increase, to see his kingdom increase are going to come to pass. And one of those big ones was on our 10th anniversary uh, we had the mayor of Menifee come and visit and share that morning with us, along with uh, Lisa Sobek, a councilwoman from Menifee. And they both, two things that both of them had to say, and they've, they've both visited our church on a number of different times, and they kind of do it in a you know, clandestine way. We don't make a big deal of it. They want to come and worship. We let them be here without having to you know, have their hat on as a city official. But they said two things. One is that the love that this church has for one another stands out, and the willingness to just no matter how big or small we are, just get out in the community and serve to the point to where now the city of Menifee comes to us and asks us to help serve when they need help in different areas. And to me, that's like, thank God for that. We thank God for that open door, and that's where help us, Lord, steward that well, and we're going to trust, we have hope that you're going to continue to just grow those relationships, those positive bridges that are built, so that your kingdom can increase through that. And so we can be the salt that preserves the good things that are happening and the light that is a witness into darkness. So one example of that is we were asked by the city to help plan and lead a, a coronavirus memorial and peace garden that they opened in Central Park. And so we got to be out there and we got to pray at a city 
led and sponsored event, pray and give words of comfort and about you know, and scripture in the face of pain and loss. We got to share about Jesus and hope and and show compassion and pray. And it was like part of me is like, how are we out here? How you know? It's like how is this legal? But it's like. God's open doors. And it was interesting, like, that they, the city put it on their Facebook page. And it's like, kind of makes me nervous. I'm like, Whoa. But it was like, hey, that was the most liked Facebook post of the entire year for the city. Of, uh, and it was just a, a testimony to me of where, like, the world is looking. They're looking for compassion in action. They're looking for compassion and hope. And it's a beautiful thing when the city is asking God's people, not just our church, other churches, for, hey, can you come and serve in this area? In a, in a very similar fashion, the police department reached out and said, hey, we want to do our first annual Faith and Blue event. Faith being churches, blue being the police, where we go out and we serve the community. And you guys responded beautifully. Elevation churches showed up in force. And it was an awesome day where we just got to be with the police and kind of set an example of serving the community together. And build on that positive relationship and believe it's going to expand in the years to come. Through our interfaith relationships that we have here in the city, we got to host right here in this building a number of keynote speakers that, that contribute significantly to our lives. So we had Assemblyman Kelly Sayarto, Senator Rosalicia Chosa-Boag, Fire Chief Lonnie Olson, Menifee School Superintendent Jennifer Root, all right here in this building in the context of just building positive relationships, looking for ways we can build bridges and serve together. And, and along that light, the, you know, it's kind of weird to say this, but we'll just say praise God for the opportunities, but the city wanted to give us some awards. So the city of Menifee recognized us with a service award. The local domestic violence shelter, Alternatives to Domestic Violence, recognized us with a service award. Uh, Riverside County Supervisor Jeff Hewitt recognized us with a service award. And... I, it's weird saying that because you don't. You, we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back. What we're trying to say is the world is hungry for compassionate, hopeful service. The world is hungry for salt and light. Just simply having the heart that says we want to build positive relationships. We want to look for opportunities to serve that will do good things. And so we through that we were at a city meeting and we proposed the idea of a social and emotional well-being collaborative because the conviction here is that. In large part, the government, uh, by and large, in, from city, state, nationally, during the pandemic has largely ignored the, the human, social, and emotional, mental well-being as just a given collateral damage. And we challenged them and said, we can do better in the city of Menifee. And they took us up on that. And there's now meetings going on behind the scenes right now uh, where, like, this amazing collaboration of people where the mayor's there, city council's there, community services there, the school district is there, Riverside County Health is there, lo local hospitals are there, and we're having conversations around the challenge of, as a city, how can we do better? In my filter, it's to live out the reality of every human is created in the image of God and therefore should be treated with compassion and that our mental, emotional, and spiritual, social well-being is of vital importance and what can we do to collaborate together to live that out? 
And it's behind the scenes, and we've got some dates coming up this year. But to see the city welcome that was shocking, and, but beautiful, and, and coming through the ways that God's opened doors for us to serve. So uh, good stuff there. One other one, National Day of Prayer. Um, wow, what an opportunity where we got to be at Central Park, and our church got to lead the efforts. Our band was out there leading in worship at an event where the police chief spoke and gave a keynote address and, and shared his faith publicly in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and preached a message of reconciliation that's needed from the police into the community, but from the heart of God. It was so powerful. Our band was out there leading worship. The mayor prayed. City councilwoman prayed. We had a number of pastors pray. And we, we got to get out there and essentially like lead a church service on behalf of and over a prayer service for the city. And those are things that it's like in, in, in this day and age where God is intentionally being removed from so many different places with intentionality, we give God thanks that there is a, a, a church body, certainly not just our church, a church body in Menifee that has the heart to get out and serve and God is honoring that with open doors and putting the church not just elevation, the church in lots of different places where we can be salt and light into this community. And we give God thanks for that, but it's, it's, not just, it's certainly not like, hey, let's celebrate, it's over. No way. It's we thank God for it, and we believe the best is yet to come. So with that in mind, let's, let's take communion together. Let's go back to that scripture one more time. Luke 22 19 to 20, Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the cup that they had eaten, he said, "This this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So I'd just like us just to take a quiet minute and to get the, the bread ready here, if you will, and practice what Jesus taught us, which is to give thanks for what he has done. And so I want to give us a couple minutes to just look back and give thanks for what he's done in this church family, in your family, in your life in 2021. And let's just celebrate that, and then we'll do the second part of hope for the future. But let's just take a quiet minute and celebrate or contemplate thanksgiving. What are we just grateful for and thankful for, the good gifts that God has done in our lives? We take this bread, we give thanks, it is broken. It is the broken body of Jesus given for us. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Thank you, Jesus, your body broken for us. We remember you and worship you. We thank you. Nourish us with thanksgiving.
take one more minute now and as Jesus said, this cup is poured out for you as the new covenant in my blood. Just take a minute to meditate on that hope that we have for this coming year. All right, I encourage you, those obstacles in your life that you face, the challenges, the difficulties, encourage you right now to put those into that new covenant hope that Jesus said, that the kingdom of God is at hand and of the increase of that kingdom, there will be no end. So I encourage you, let's refresh our hope this morning and put all of 2022 into the good and faithful, powerful, personal, present hands of our Lord Jesus. And let's refresh our hope for this year. Let us celebrate together the new covenant that is in Jesus' blood. We worship you this morning, Jesus. All our hope is in you. All of our hope is in you. Thank you, Lord. May you seal these things in us today. May you seal in us the, the rhythm of life that you created to regularly slow down, partake of the Lord's Supper, partake of a meal in community, to give thanks for all that you have done and renew our hope for all that you are going to do. We worship you this morning, Lord Jesus, in that mindset. Thank you that we can celebrate today because of all that you have done and all that you will do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Dance a new dance like David. Dance.